0: Hi, I'm Dean Butler, and I played Almanza Wilder on the classic TV series, Little House on the Prairie, and you're listening to The Extras.
1: Hello and welcome to The Extras, where we take you behind the scenes of your favorite TV shows, movies, and animation, and their release on digital DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K, or your favorite streaming site. I'm Tim Allard, your host. And joining me today to talk about Looney Tunes Collector's Choice Volume 2, our animation historian Jerry Beck and George Feltenstein of the Warner Archive. I know many of you are just as excited as I am about this release, so I'll share some of my thoughts and then George and Jerry will provide some additional background on the release. But to be sure we don't have too many spoilers, we try to keep specifics to a minimum. Well, hi, George, Jerry. It's great to have you on the podcast to talk some more Looney Tunes.
0: Great to be here. Pleasure
2: to be here, as always.
1: From my perspective, uh, Looney Tunes Collector's Choice Volume One was a huge success. It felt like a lot of great response. I think a lot of people purchased it, so there was a tremendous amount of excitement for this volume too. I know when it was announced, so uh, I think that this volume, I was, you know, I just got done reviewing it. It's just as strong as the first one, and am I right that it actually has more? cartoons in this one that volume one had
2: right there 25 as opposed to 20 because i'm watching
1: i'm watching and i'm like wow i thought i was i would be done by now and then i looked and i'm like oh there's more cartoons here which i thought was a great thing
2: we we also tried to take a unique approach that we haven't done before instead of trying to group by character or theme or we went alphabetically so it wasn't chronologically so it it really is kind of like a shuffle playlist on yeah, its own. It's, it's really its
0: cool. Nature. Yeah, strangely enough, the alphabetical order for this disc uh, really works. Uh, it's it's if you just sit back, turn it on from the beginning, and you watch all twenty five in a row, or you watch twelve and you know watch the others later. It really works as a as it's curated very well, kind of by accident, but it's it's wonderful.
2: Well, I, it was just an idea that I had. I thought that might work and
0: it <laughs> turned out to work out well.
1: Yeah. Well, what did you do in on volume one? You did them by grouping?
0: No, yeah, we did them by, by uh, character, famous characters, uh, you know, miscellaneous characters, you know, different. Uh, one
2: shots, uh, wacky one shots.
0: Yeah. yeah that kind
2: <laughs> of
1: well, Because I I was going to ask you before we kind of dive into a discussion on some of these, just how you kind of went about selecting these. I know, like anything, we talk about the old collections and you had so much to start with, but then it whittles down, whittles down. So you had volume one and you selected. How did you then kind of go about volume two selecting?
2: The concept here is cartoons that have never been on DVD or Blu-ray. And I have to the caveat about DVD because I think at least two showed up in a way that I was not supportive of originally as, quote unquote, bonus cartoons, mm-hmm. unremastered old TV masters that were put on earlier collections as bonus cartoons by another colleague uh, who meant well but didn't understand that it's confusing to the consumer because then they think, well, it's been on, you know, they don't know remastered from not, and so forth and so on. Of course, other people did, but he wasn't thinking that way. He just thought, oh, stuff the discs with more fun. So there's at least two on here that I think had that kind of second tier bonus release. But for all intents and purposes, these are... 25 debuts. I think even a few of them weren't on any, maybe one or two, had no prior like VHS or Laserdisc or anything. So we're trying to go for the rarities. And since the prior collections, the platinum collections and the golden collections on DVD before that, primarily focused on the most prominent cartoons and a lot of the Bugs Bunny holes were filled with its 80th anniversary birthday celebration. That kind of whittled down what was available. That's a good thing, because that means that so much more has already been made available. But if something, the way I look at it, if something has only been on DVD, the leaps and bounds of quality improvement, just in mastering techniques, no less what Blu-ray has to offer, can be dramatic compared to what was done 20 years ago. So uh, hence we have this new set that is quite varied and different and filled with the kind of laughter that only Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies can provide.
1: Well, before we dive into uh, a discussion on some of these, was there anything else uh, that the fans should know about this release in general, George?
2: I would say something I said previously, and Saying it previously turned out to be fortuitous, and that is the more fan support we get for this release, the more it paves the way for future releases. And we are working on Volume 3 right now, and unless there are unforeseen circumstances, within a couple of months we should be gathering together again to talk about Volume 3. So I'm hoping there are no unforeseen circumstances.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Because we're working too hard right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's great that this is coming out just in time for people to get, you know, before Christmas. And I know a lot of people have pre ordered, but those who haven't yet, we're going to go through some of these. You'll hear about it. You get the review on them. And hopefully you'll, you know, go ahead and make your purchase if you haven't already. But uh, it comes out December 12th when this podcast releases, it should be right about the same time. And I was looking and watching these. And there's a lot of variety, just like I think the last one had as well. But I was going to just ask you about a few of these that I thought had, either I had some questions about or I just thought I was kind of blown away by. And I hadn't really paid attention to the fact that it was alphabetical (laughs) on there. But so so I'm just going to grab these, I guess, out of order as well. But one of them I wanted to bring up right away at the beginning is this one, Ghost Wanted, directed by Chuck Jones. Tell me about that. Is that Casper?
0: No. 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 Casper, no, no. no. This is almost studio. nine,
2: I guess, nine years before Casper? Or seven uh, actually, years. about
0: four or five. Okay. Uh, but it was another studio on the other side of the country. It's funny because Chuck Jones, who directed this cartoon, it's one of his earlier ones, one of his cuter, softer, earlier films. He, he in later years, would go around, you know, claiming, I created Casper because of this cartoon. But – I don't know why Chuck, with all of the wonderful things he did, would want to claim some kind of creatorship of, of a friendly ghost like this. But yeah, that's, that's that's the general premise is sort of there, but it's it's not the character. It's a great cartoon, uh, a real classic from the early Jones period where he was trying to emulate Disney. So the the animation is fuller, you know, and the background artwork is intricate. And on Blu-ray, it's eye-popping in a way we've we've never seen it before. So I'm very proud of that particular cartoon being on this set.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it. I'm like, this has got to be one of the highlights, uh, at least in my estimation, of the cartoons on here. Just, uh, you know, well, I, that was just my opinion, of course.
0: Well, you know, I want to say that, that the uh, to the general public, now we do aim this toward the collectors. We know people are collecting physical media. They're collecting Looney Tunes on physical media. But if you are like a general public type person who happened to come on to Tim's podcast here today, you're going to love this set. And I'm, I sound like a shill saying that, but you're going to love this set. It's 25 Primo Looney Tunes from the 30s through to the 50s, uh, I think even into the very early 60s. 50s, and, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's a real roundabout collection. You got most, if not all, of the great famous characters. You got a lot of interesting miscellaneous ones that never show up anywhere else. It's just a barrel of fun is really what it is. So you have no hesitation. And if you're collecting really a majority of this set is not on uh, any other, any other Blu-rays or DVDs. And I think uh, if you're a collector, this is something you want to have. Tim, let me ask you a question since
2: we haven't talked about this and And just would like to get your opinion and thoughts, having now watched it. What did you think of the disc from both an entertainment point of view as well as the quality?
1: Well, the quality I thought was great. And there's a few that I really kind of made little notes of. I'm kind of looking at my notes here. But in general, all of them were great. I mean, I I, I watched every single one. And I thought that the quality was terrific in terms of the picture, the sound, as always, per usual, I should say. And again, I'm not the fine-tuned person. I'm going to be more of the average viewer who loves Looney Tunes. I have all of the Looney Tune collections as well, but I get them for the enjoyment. I get them because they're art, they're film, and they're such a great history and part of uh, Warner Brothers, but really, they're art. They really are, these uh, films. And one of them that I thought were really, really kind of hit that point of art for me was this car, this, uh, this one, Cross Country Detours, directed by Tex Avery. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. watching that one, and I just felt like uh, that they were just like this beautiful artwork set against this story. Tell me a little bit about that one.
0: That's an interesting cartoon. That was a very famous cartoon in its day, and that fame has been kind of forgotten. It's beautiful, and it's funny. Uh, it's a parody of the travelogues that used to be in theaters. Tex Avery and the Warner cartoons in general were the Saturday Night Live, the mad magazine of its day, making fun of the other media that people were watching in theaters, whether it was Disney cartoons or uh, newsreels or whatever. Tex Avery really started that. And it was kind of a revolution at that time. There hadn't been before Avery started doing these travelogue and newsreel spoofs. There hadn't been any cartoons with a narrator and spot gags. That was a new thing, and it, it went over wildly with the theaters and the and the audiences. One thing I like about uh, that cartoon is uh, that one has that scene. Remind me, Tim, if I'm wrong. Uh, it has that scene where they do a split screen between a lizard and a little girl. They do. I was gonna, that? Yeah, I'll tell you that that scene is interesting from a historian point of view because uh, I'm always telling everybody, everybody that these cartoons were never aimed at the children. It was aimed at the whole audience in the movie theater. And right there with that gag, they're telling us that. They're demonstrating it. This side of the screen is for the grownups. This side of the screen is for the kids. And uh, that's that's a, a way of the cartoon itself telling us who the audience for these cartoons were. I love that.
1: Yeah, I made a note of that because I thought that little girl was so cute and so of its time, you know, with the girls and everything. But like you said, on the other side, there's this lizard, but uh, it was noteworthy. I just thought that was a really real treat, that one. Uh, So it's interesting to hear the story.
2: One other thing I think we should mention about cross-country detours, it's one of the opportunities we had to restore the original titles. Because when these cartoons were re-released theatrically, they got these blue-ribbon titles that remove the creative credits and really the opening design of the film. So we've tried where possible, when we can get them, to reinstate the original titles. It's not an easy thing to do, but happily we were able to do that here, and that's worth noting. Yep.
1: Well, I'm just going to jump to a couple others here. Uh, next, I wanted to ask you about was this Southern ex- Daffy's Southern Exposure? Mm, um, yeah, I, th- that is a black and white, and I was just amazed at how beautiful that one looks on Blu-ray.
0: Well, uh, it it does. Uh, you know, uh, that one's a, one that people grew up with. It's been around, but I don't think it's ever been as good looking as it as it looks on this Blu-ray set. It's not one of the ones directed by any of the uh, famous directors like Clampett or Jones or whatever. It's Norman McCabe. He was an animator who they promoted for a short time to do some of the black and white cartoons. But it's just as good as any of the color ones. Color was coming in. Color didn't come in completely for the Looney Tunes series until, I think, 1942. It's a curio... Uh, it's one of the few black and white ones that doesn't feature Porky Pig from that period. It's one I, I personally felt we needed to have on this set. It's it's kind of a classic Looney Tune. And because of the black and white and things like that, it shouldn't be overlooked. And, of course, the collectors really, really want all of those black and white cartoons. I do.
2: Yeah. And it should yeah. be noted in the early 90s, a lot of these uh, black and white Looney Tunes were, I hate to use the word, colorized. Yeah, uh, yeah. For airings on Nickelodeon. And there's a whole generation of people that grew up watching colorized versions of these cartoons and they need to see them as they were originally made. Now they can't.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I was just amazed at how well it looked for being black and white. I just thought it looked fantastic. And it's a lot of fun, of course. It's always, uh, Daffy's always a lot of fun. Another one I wanted to ask you about was Fair and. Wormer. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. But did I see a skunk in there? And is that skunk Pepe Le Pew? Pe-
0: That's funny. I didn't think about that. And when we put that cartoon on there, Um it isn't Pepe Le Pew, but it is a Chuck Jones cartoon. And Chuck created Pepe around this time. And the design is similar. You're right. In this cartoon, that skunk is really a kind of used as a gag you know uh that' skunk he's not he doesn't have his personality he doesn't I don't believe he speaks it's a great cartoon for it's kind of the ultimate chase cartoon and I think that was a thing that Jones was into obviously he later did uh the roadrunner series and many other cartoons featuring that the chase motif and that's this is one of the early ones for him on that
1: I'm just kind of picking here George if you have anything to add on these but I thought this amateur Night, another Tex Avery with the uh, Egghead, uh, yep. I thought that one was very noteworthy. It's obviously a vaudeville routine, <laughs> but I just uh, so, I thought I got a kick out of it. Why do people I
0: really amateur.
2: like this cartoon? Yeah, yeah
0: it's, it's the amateur yeah. hour in the vaudeville theaters is the equivalent of What we have today, America's Got Talent, you know, the the reality shows where people would get up and perform and a winner would be selected. That was happening live at theaters back in those days. And here's the perfect parody of that.
1: Yeah, it's like it's got like the gong show thing, gong on there. The floor opens up for the axe to disappear. And then it's got some some, uh, cutaways to the audience and all of the characters there. It, I mean, it's very funny. It, of this course- is
2: one of the Avery Warner cartoons where you get to see little seedlings of what his style would be like once he was non-repressed and could run wild with his ideas at MGM. You right. know, you see, just it it's kind of foretelling what is going to happen three, four years later.
0: It's funny that MGM, who on, you know, a restricted Buster Keaton when he uh, signed up with them, and even uh, one could say that about uh, Laurel and Hardy in the forties. Uh, but Avery, they let they let him go. You can cut that out if it's no good. <laughs> no, that's one man's opinion. Yeah, it's one man's opinion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the ones that I think probably people will—I don't know—I guess it—it—it it, it was a little surprising to me to watch it, but uh, probably a lot of people love it. It's probably. Is a uh, hair breath hurry? Yes, um, and yes, I'm watching that. That's from the '60s, which I I didn't realize. I mean, it's got Bugs Bunny in it, but but it's a Road Runner cartoon.
0: I love your puzzlement over that cartoon. That's what everybody should feel when they see it—like confusion. Um, it's a strange one. I'll be honest. I another one man's opinion here. I I think. I really do think that might have been conceived as a a bridging material for the Bugs Bunny show. That's my guess. It doesn't make any sense as a short, but it actually kind of makes more sense, you know, because Bugs talks to the audience directly through most of the cartoon. And you have to be, in theory, familiar with the Roadrunner series, which I suppose most people were in 1960 or so. It's just, it's it's a very, very strange take. If you like the Roadrunner and Coyote, you're not quite getting that. If you like Bugs Bunny, you're not quite getting that either. But that said, it's got great Jones designs, great layouts, beautiful looking cartoon. Mel Blanc. I mean, I, I, you know, I just enjoy, it's an oddity and I enjoy it for that reason.
1: What did you think, George?
0: <laughs> I
2: feel exactly the same way Jerry does.
1: Well, you do have another, uh, actually, an actual Roadrunner and Coyote on here, Lickety Splat. That's also from the 60s, um, but yeah, that's a traditional one. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Roadrunner series on uh, physical media, I mean, it, you really, it's really hard to do a whole set of the Roadrunner because really, I'm going to be honest, you kind of can't watch 10 of them in a row. It's like, it's monotonous if you do that. They're great. In small doses, and so because of that, they've been very gently placed on our previous sets. We always we never ignore them, but we you know we never go whole hog with them. Thus, we have many like this one that have never been on physical media before. So that's you know why it's there.
1: The other Bugs Bunny, I think you have two Bugs Bunny cartoons in this uh, uh, volume. I thought was uh, kind of blew my mind. I was curious. I'm curious to hear your take on it, Jerry. And that's the Rabbit Rampage right. from 1955. And I'm watching it, and it's like a, it's like a meta cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's a cartoon about the making of a cartoon. That you know, means fun. that you
2: say you're thinking you must have met it before. Uh, <laughs> and the reason is, is, it's basically a remake of sorts of Duck Amuck, which was made a few years earlier by Chuck Jones, except Bugs is being tortured by the animator, which is Elmer Fudd. And in Duck Amuck, Daffy was being tortured by the animator, who we find out at the very end is Bugs Bunny. So I think this cartoon has been underappreciated because of its similarity to Duckamuck and it just feels like oh this is a Duckamuck ripoff if you hadn't seen Duckamuck you would love Rabbit Rampage a lot more because it's actually a very funny clever cartoon it's just that those of us watching these things almost 70 years later and knowing them as well as we do it goes well it's not Duckamuck you know And in its own way, it really deserves the recognition, and it shouldn't be tossed aside as a bonus cartoon. Uh, This is one that needed to get a proper treatment, and here it is.
0: You know, this set has, and you've pointed it out, two of the most unusual Bugs Bunny cartoons ever made. I think both of these qualify for that. And as George said, these cartoons... Back in the day, even as late as the mid-50s, they were never really thought they were going to be seen again. There was no Bugs Bunny show. There was no television syndication. There was no physical media, the internet. So people just saw them when they came out. In fact, this when this one came out, there was reissues. They finally figured out the idea of reissuing them to theaters. But people who might have seen Duckamuck and enjoyed it, would have it would have been two or three years earlier and maybe either forgotten about it or wouldn't have minded seeing another take on the same idea. And Jones, I have a, had a lot of great ideas for this this format and this setup. Duckamuck came out and was so celebrated. It's still remembered as one of one of his top cartoons today that this film has been kind of shunted aside, kind of not there, kind it's of. Philosophy. Kind of the
2: scrappy do of the Looney Tunes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and it's, I, mean, I mean, you got you got to admit though that Daffy Duck frustrated is a better. Well, he's better at being frustrated, and that's why Duckamuck gets that. Uh, that's feeling. why
2: Chuck Jones said Bugs Bunny is the person we hope we all could be, and Daffy Duck is the person we're all afraid we really are. That sums up everything. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said it when I interviewed him many years yeah. ago. And I know he said that often before.
0: Yeah. Well, if you can't have the two weirdest Bugs Bunny cartoons on a set aimed at the collector, uh I don't know where else you can put them. So uh here they found their perfect home.
1: Well, I've given you some like names and, and titles that popped out to me, but which one of these uh are you kind of most excited to have on this collection, or you can be more than one, but uh, Jerry?
0: If you're going to me directly first, I guess, and it's very hard, very hard to make that decision, but I do have a, I do have a decision and it's a film on here called Brother Brat and uh, the parody of the title Brother Rat, right, George? That was a uh, Ronald Reagan oh, film. Oh yeah, it just, it came out about six years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, and this cartoon is a Frank Tashlin. Okay. It's a Porky Pig. It's wartime era. It's particularly slapstick. Let's put it that way. And on Blu-ray for the first time, it's eye-popping. And honestly, if you just told me I have a (laughs) a Blu-ray and it just has that cartoon on it, I think I, I would definitely be buying this just for that. So there's my answer right there. Brother Brat, a classic Porky Pig Looney Tune that You've never seen on physical media before.
1: Uh, George, we have to ask it's you the same question. It's very
2: hard to pick one. It is. <laughs> I love so many of them. I think if I had to pick one, and I was surprised when I came to the conclusion that this hadn't gotten a release before of the highest caliber because it deserves it. And now it has one. A Hound for Trouble. Charlie Dog, I could have used a lot more Charlie Dog cartoons. And Charlie Dog is great in every cartoon, but Hound for Trouble is something I remember. Jerry, I think it was part of those 1985 Looney Tunes evenings at the Thalia in New York when we were children. Um, (laughs) Hound for Trouble is just fantastic. And it's pure Chuck Jones there's some great gags in it and it looks amazing that's just what came to mind i didn't know you were going to ask that question but if i had to pick one that just yeah. was at the top of my head that would be it's it.
0: really hard there are many great cartoons on this set oh yeah um, i mean george remember when we were when i was a kid i i remember that cartoon ding dog daddy i mean that was like gave me nightmares when i was a kid sure daisy you know, oh, my God. And, you know, the lightning bolts and the whole, everything in that was, that was like a kid's nightmare to me. But I love that cartoon. It's beautiful. And it's actually it's got, it's got a great story.
1: And it's it's t- got to tie into the war as well, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that when I was a kid. I've In later years looking at it, I'm like, holy moly, this is wartime mun- munitions. And, I mean, it's, it's uh, very interesting watching it as a grown-up. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I I noted that as one that I really, really liked as well.
0: So
2: many of these cartoons are not always the ones people think of immediately and get written about, but they're all really at a level of excellence because Looney Tunes were funny, Merry Melodies were funny, Warner Brothers cartoons were funny. And I really don't think anyone the exception of Avery going over to MGM and he's a graduate of Warner Brothers cartoons. Um, the Avery cartoons at MGM and the Warner Brothers cartoons period are the funniest cartoons ever made and nobody else comes close in terms of the humor and the quality of the animation is fantastic. The artistry of the voice characterizations in addition to the magnificent Mel Blanc. There are many people who never got credited, but we now know who they are. Jerry has seen to it over the years that they get the recognition they deserve. Just the artistry of so many men and women that came together to make over a thousand cartoons during the prime era. We're blessed and we hope the support continues that will enable us to keep going. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great collection and you have uh, just all of the favorites as well as some of the lesser maybe known uh outside of the collector community on here. I mean I was thinking <laughs> of uh the the wacky worm. I actually really like greetings bait.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, those are actually the only two that that character appears in. We we have uh, the the only two uh really? featuring wacky worm and they're on this set. That's what this set's about, you know, uh Uh, classics that have been uh, neglected before. We didn't really plan it in advance. Let's do them in alphabetical order. But it came out so well that way this time around. Whether we do that next time around, I don't know. But it it really is just a load of fun. I used to call a set like this, a party reel. You know, you put it on at the beginning of a party and you almost can't- That's why I said it it
2: was like putting your iPhone on shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what's coming next unless you're looking at the box or you've looked at the menu. And of course the cartoons are separately selectable. Um yeah. but the beauty of it is you play all, you never know what's coming next. And right. it really keeps your attention that way. And there's also great value because based on the list price, of course, it sells cheaper than that in many places, but with a twenty-two dollar list price. You get 25 cartoons, that's less than a dollar a cartoon. Yeah. And I can assure you, it, that is great animated value.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we've said it a few times, but I I was not looking at the packaging and I just hit the play all, George. So for me, every time it was like, it was a surprise because it wasn't all one character and it wasn't all one director and they wasn't all from one decade. So you went from Civil War or World War Two to Civil War and everywhere in between, and all of these different characters. So I just think it's a blast. I think it's a no-brainer if you're a Looney Tunes fan. And the fact that it just hasn't been available with these volumes that you're putting together, these uh, collector's choice volumes, just makes it uh, extra special because you don't have it. That's the the fact. You don't have these. So uh, this is a great collection. And then you mentioned the volume three uh, that's coming up. It's going to be a similar kind of collection of great Mm -hmm. cartoons that you haven't seen before again. Yeah. yeah. There will
2: be a couple of very familiar ones and then some unfamiliar ones. Of course, there are people out there that are astute enthusiasts who are familiar with every frame of everyone. You know, we have a wide breadth of fans that really love these cartoons around the world. It's a much greater universe of people than some people would think. And we know the fans are out there, and that's why we got behind pitching this. And now our colleagues are very happy with the support these releases are getting. Like I said, I just hope the fun continues because we have a lot of exciting plans in store.
0: Yep.
1: Well, as always, guys, uh, I appreciate, Jerry, you coming on, bringing all of your animation expertise and George of course it's always a pleasure to talk about the Warner Archive releases and I thank you both for coming on the podcast.
2: Well thank, thank you Tim. Tim.
1: Well it's always great to have George Feltenstein and Jerry Beck on to talk animation and Looney Tunes. As you can tell, I think this is another terrific release full of thoroughly enjoyable cartoons with a wide variety of your favorite and lesser known characters and a diverse list of directors. So if you're interested in purchasing the release, there are links in the podcast show notes and on our website at www.theextras.tv. So be sure and check those out. If you're on social media, be sure and follow the show on Facebook or Twitter at The Extras TV or Instagram at theextras.tv to stay up to date on our upcoming guests and to be a part of our community. And you're invited to a Facebook group for fans of Warner Brothers films called The Warner Archive and The Warner Brothers Catalog Group. So look for that link on the Facebook page or in the podcast show notes. And for our long-term listeners, don't forget to follow and leave us a review at iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. Until next time, you've been listening to Tim Millard. Stay Slightly Obsessed. this is Tim Millard, host of The Extras podcast, and I wanted to let you know that we have a new private Facebook group for fans of the Warner Archive and Warner Brothers catalog physical media releases. So if that interests you, you can find the link on our Facebook page or look for the link in the podcast show notes.